Hey there, thanks for coming back for another episode of Your New Mexico Government. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Today, we'll take our first dive into education in this legislative session, and it's a doozy. But we don't shy away from controversy on YNMG, we dig into it. School boards around the country have been the new cultural battlegrounds where parents with differing political views fight for their respective moral values, and sometimes it gets ugly. In New Mexico, we've been talking about updating social studies standards for about a year, and it's been about 20 years since the public education department weighed in on that. And along with new ideas of trying to respect more perspectives in school curriculum has come the backlash over the perception of critical race theory sneaking in and harming our kids. Today, we have Searchlight New Mexico's education reporter, Alicia Inez Guzman. She recently published an article that touches on inequities in instruction, the longstanding challenge of implementing a fair and sufficient public education for all New Mexican kids, as outlined in the Yazi Martinez lawsuit, as well as gender equity and critical race theory, or CRT. All these ideas are getting tied up together, and now a statewide ban on CRT has been proposed to lawmakers in House Bill 91. She starts the story at a school board meeting she attended in Las Cruces. Here's Alicia. What I saw that night was, first of all, this huge line of people trying to get into the public comment period, which is this really coveted period of time where anybody can express their opinions about upcoming policies. And so I saw that. And then I saw the actual public comment period where a number of people expressed their views about a gender equity policy. There were a number of advocates and young people who were there to express support for the policy. But then there were a number of other people who were there to basically denigrate the policy and say all sorts of really problematic things about LGBTQIA plus young people, as well as a spouse views about critical race theory. So the range was quite broad. There were people who said that if you made spaces too safe for students, for instance, that that would, would be the, the thing that actually motivated them to bring guns to school. Or there was another person who actually read several passages from the Bible. You know, somebody described it to me as open mic night, and I think that actually sums it up pretty well. Have you heard anything about similar scenes in other school board meetings around the state? Well, I've certainly heard CRT's been coming up in different ways. I, you know, I read in Los Alamos, for instance, that school board candidates were invited by the Republican Party to speak about their general kind of policies and critical race theory came up in those gatherings. Now, is critical race theory coming up in particular because the public education department right now is working on revising social studies standards? I think partially it's coming up nationally, so it's in the consciousness, but also at the same time, you know, the public education department uh, did propose revisions to the, the social studies standards. So I think, I think, yeah, both. Do we know what those revisions look like? Is there some relation there? 
Absolutely, yeah. So the revisions, you know, there was an addition in the revisions that I think is really setting some conservative, a lot of conservative people off. And that addition is ethnic, cultural and identity studies, I believe. And so that's become a strand in the new proposed social studies standards. And generally, there is a move towards emphasizing histories of indigenous people, of Hispanic, Chicano, Black, LGBTQIA plus peoples and histories and perspectives and a move away from a strictly European point of view. Okay. So here's where we can kind of get into the legislative coverage for this episode. There's an idea that seems to be fairly widespread that the new social study standards are kind of a clandestine move to push critical race theory or CRT into our public schools. And we talked just a little bit about that recently on KUNM, but can you give us an idea of what CRT is just in layman's terms? I can try. It's um, not easy. I know it's complicated. <laughs> It's really complicated. And I think, you know, as somebody who's studied the history of race and racism in the U.S., you know, critical race theory is really originated as a legal investigation of how racism gets perpetuated through law and systems of law. And it's branched out, I think, to include other systems but generally, what critical race theory does is asks students to consider what kinds of systems have produced race and racism. Okay. And, you know, one of the examples that I've heard before, and I even used it actually recently on the radio, was the idea of like zoning laws and how zoning laws can kind of perpetuate racism, you know, not explicitly, but imagine uh, zoning laws that require one house per acre. That's something we see a lot in parts of Santa Fe. And there's then just this barrier to people of color and other disadvantaged people into getting into those areas. And it kind of creates, you know, maybe inadvertently, maybe not, but like a white side of town. Right. Yes, absolutely. So I think, I think that's like the, the really complex part of what makes critical race theory difficult to grasp is that racism or racist policies are often very diffuse. So it's not necessarily like specifically this policy equals this problem. You know, it creates a system in which, yeah, you might get a white side of town or a side of town like the historic east side in Santa Fe, which is predominantly white, predominantly very affluent. Well, CRT is now in front of the House Rules and Order of Business Committee. There's a, a bill, House Bill 91, and it's in front of that committee in part for lawmakers to decide whether it's germane to this legislative session that's supposed to be limited to the budget and a few specific issues authorized by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. I'm not real good at predicting the future, but I don't think it looks good for this bill. It doesn't obviously fit into the prescribed topics they can cover in the session. So what gives? Who introduced it? Why would they do that? Rebecca Dow introduced it, and she's a house rep from Truth or Consequences. We're going to pause the talk with Alicia for just a minute to make sure we're all clear on how laws are made in New Mexico. This is a crash course, and it's missing some details, but still enough to get the gist. 
First, some lawmaker has a good idea, maybe it's theirs or an interested party brought it to them. That lawmaker is called the sponsor. The lawyers go to work writing up the lawmaker's proposal, that's the bill, it gets assigned to smaller groups called committees that have specific interests like budgeting or making sure the bill is in line with the Constitution. That's important. Often, bills will go to several committees. If they all agree that the bill is a good idea with a passing vote, it will eventually get to the floor of the legislative body corresponding with its sponsor, either the House of Representatives or the Senate. If passed by that body, it goes across the hall to the other body where it can pass, fail, or be changed. Eventually, the bill may get approved by both bodies and will be sent to the governor to sign, veto, or sometimes line item veto. That's where she can cross out specific provisions. But often a bill gets stuck in committees and never gets considered from all that many lawmakers. So it's possible that a bill could be created for political reasons, even though the lawmakers know it's likely dead on arrival. Okay, let's go back to Alicia now talking about House Bill 91 and its sponsor, Republican Representative Rebecca Dow. She's running for governor in the next cycle, and she introduced this bill on the 19th. You know, I really think that because she's running for governor, this bill is something that she can kind of hang her hat on in some ways because we are seeing conservatives across the nation rally against critical race theory or what they perceive to be critical race theory. Okay, I want to just read a little bit from the bill. There's not much to it. There are 10 one-sentence points. Uh, It starts with, The department shall not allow course in critical race theory to be taught in public schools. For the purposes of this section, critical race theory means... We have some examples. Espouses the view that one race is inherently racist, sexist, or intentionally or inadvertently oppressive. I don't think many people would argue with banning an idea like that. But then as we get further down the list... They are not allowed to present information that espouses the view that one race is inherently responsible for the intentional or inadvertent oppression of another race. That gets tricky, especially in, you know, history classes. How do you talk about slavery, for instance, in the United States with that sort of rule hanging over you? That's a good question. Something that I've talked to teachers about is how history is presented in textbooks currently. And in certain cases, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about the use of passive voice in some of these history books. And in the case of slavery, it makes it just seem as if slavery happened, not as if there was a person or an institution that supported slavery or enslaving people. So I think that's what gets tricky is that, you know, what what conservatives are saying about critical race theory is that you're going to make white students now feel guilty about what happened in the past or feel uncomfortable about what happened in the past. But here's the thing is that, you know, when we teach history, and I think part of the complex issue of teaching history right now is how do we teach the past with great honesty? And how do we do so so that students might be able to ask questions, right? So I think that that's really what at least the social studies standards do in New Mexico. But if you start banning how or whether or not race can even be evoked or histories histories of oppression can even be evoked in the classroom, 
I think you're creating a situation in which students aren't looking at the past with great honesty and teachers aren't asking students to look at the past with great honesty. And as one source that I spoke to in Las Cruces said, you know, basically what conservatives are asking teachers to do is send students out into the world with an incomplete toolkit. What's the problem with taking some responsibility for actions in the past? Sometimes people need to be held responsible. Absolutely. And I think I think in New Mexico, you know, we have a very special case because we're seeing all of this conversation about critical race theory and um, white students feeling guilty about slavery, for instance. But in New Mexico, we have a very specific history of race and racism. And so, you know, we're seeing pushback from some conservatives who are Hispanic who are saying, well, does that mean we're going to make people who are of quote-unquote Spanish descent feel guilty for the history of colonization? It's really about, again, looking at the past with great honesty and saying, okay, well, what stories haven't we told? What stories haven't we faced? What stories uh, have we, you know, what really is in our blind spot? How can we be better? Right, absolutely. And I think it's just giving students more tools to be able to articulate things that did happen in the past so that we can, like you said, be better moving forward. Okay, you've reported that anti-CRT rhetoric here is very similar to what you've seen in other places. Can you give us some examples? Really, it's, for me, kind of a cut and paste argument. So nationally, what we're hearing a lot about is that critical race theory or anything that teaches students to understand histories of race and racism is a form of indoctrination. I don't know how many times I've heard that word, but that's become kind of a trigger word is indoctrination. And it's become kind of a go-to word for conservatives nationally. You know, Fox News has especially fixated on the term, which I include in my article, thousands of times. They've used it in the matter of months. Here in New Mexico, we're seeing that argument being repurposed almost a facsimile, complete facsimile of that argument, which is students will be indoctrinated into socialism and Marxism, and that by teaching critical race theory or what's perceived to be critical race theory, it's only a way of making white students feel guilty about the past. Uh, What's interesting again here is that we have a very different history of race and racism. Cutting and pasting that argument onto New Mexico you know, it doesn't quite fit because of our history of of colonization, because we don't have a specific history of enslaving black people, but we do have a history in this state or this region of of enslaving indigenous people. You know, there's a whole, that whole history. So I think on the one hand, there's a fear of CRT very generally, but then when you bring it to New Mexico, it can get kind of convoluted. And that's why it's a a curious introduction, this House Bill 91. Do you know if HB 91 is crafted from model legislation? Are we seeing that same bill in other places? Some of the language is very similar to language that I've seen. For instance, the bill in Florida that's being supported by Governor DeSantis is really saying, okay, we can't make white people feel discomfort over the past. 
And that same language is included in House Bill 91. Now, I want to come back to your article. You end with a discussion of those fighting CRT flipping the script using the words of Martin Luther King Jr. for their cause and comparing CRT to the Ku Klux Klan. What is it they're trying to say there? What I've been seeing generally is this desire to rationalize a position, whether that's using Martin Luther King or saying, for instance, I'm not a racist, I'm not homophobic, I'm not all of these things, I'm colorblind. And using that as a way to, again, flip the script and it reduces what Martin Luther King or uh, entire social justice movement, you know, the civil rights movement, reduces that argument to a kind of soundbite. You know, a lot of people were quoting the I have a dream speech and saying, I have a dream, you know, that my students or my children won't be judged by the color of their skin, but they were actually referencing white children, which to me shows that racism indeed does exist and that privilege does exist because if you're going to use an argument in that way, it's actually kind of egregious to take Martin Luther King's words and and try and use them to justify a position like this, which is that CRT is actually racist. Alicia Inez Guzman, thank you so much. We are going to get a link for your article from Searchlight New Mexico called The Battle Over Critical Race Theory Reaches New Mexico. We'll have that up on our website, and you can also find it at searchlightnm.org. Thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us again for Your New Mexico Government. Keep up with us online by following the hashtag YNMG and by following KUNM Radio and New Mexico PBS. We also thank the Thornburg Foundation for supporting this open government project. You can find a link to Alicia's report with Searchlight New Mexico on their website and on ours. Your New Mexico Government is under the news tab at KUNM.org. We'll be back in just a couple of days. Bye for now.